We're going to talk about one of my favorite characters, everybody's favorite character, really, uh, Pops. Satchel Mouth, Satch, Satchmo, Dipper Mouth, Lewis, Mr. Lewis David Armstrong. Born and raised in New Orleans, right in the middle of Storyville, in the middle of all that that was going on. Uh, a lot of stories about him, and it's kind of hard to know the truth from, from, from fable, but we do know that he went to what was called a colored wasp's house. That would be like juvie today, juvenile detention center. Uh, for being a bad boy, some people say it was for uh, smoking a no-name cigarette. Other people say it was uh, for shooting a gun on the 4th of July on a street corner. Uh, we don't really know what the story was. We know he went. And while there, he learned to play first the mellophone, and he sounded so beautiful on the mellophone that the band leader transferred him to cornet and he went from third to second to lead cornet player in about two weeks. Um, just a natural talented uh, person. He worked his way through the New Orleans jazz scene once he got out as a young man, um, working with Joe Oliver and all the great ones. He said he was influenced by Buddy Bolden and everybody else. Uh, around that time. Of course, he was born somewhere around 1900, 1901. So, Betty Bolden still would have been alive and playing at a time that Lewis could hear him and appreciate him, along with Freddie Keppel and all those other uh, great uh, players, Manuel uh, Perez, all the greats were still around there playing when Lewis was coming up. And I'm sure they all mentored him. Um, he joined Kid Ory's band uh, when uh, Joe Alva left in 1918 and stayed there for a while, but then uh, Joe Alva later invited him to Chicago as he was expanding his band to a full nine pieces, and Lewis went to Chicago and um, hung out with everybody. Hoagie Carmichael, Big Spiderbeck, and of course Lil Harden, who later became Lil Harden Armstrong, Oh, yeah. Lewis had a way with the ladies, too. Um, Lewis liked to go to cutting contests. These are places we call them jam sessions, but pretty much in those days, it was cutthroat. If you went up there and you didn't play well, someone would get up there and make you look bad. And Lewis liked to go to those cutting contests and make people look bad because if you make somebody look bad, that means the next person that gets a call to play a gig is gonna be you. So he's building his reputation and he is building his fortune. Lil Hardin actually kind of forced him um, to learn to read and write music. He became a composer as well uh, in his own right. Had his hot five, hot seven there. Uh, he and Lil had careers going in different ways. Um, she ended up using Manuel Perez in her band, and uh, he left Chicago to join Fletcher Henderson's band in New York. And uh, gradually that marriage uh, dissipated. Uh, 
um, for the distance and other reasons as well. As I said, Lewis had a eye for the ladies. So New York, he is becoming very, very popular because he has started out as a singer, uh, singing on uh, street corners in barbershop quartets, I've heard. Uh, what we will call barbershop quartets, just a bunch of guys hanging around singing. And um, because uh, he had a habit of uh, sometimes forgetting what he was doing, uh, even in recording sessions, the rumor is he forgot the lyrics uh, of a tune. And so he started just making up gibberish. And that became the beginning of scat singing. Uh, as they say, necessity is the mother of invention. He forgot the lyrics, so he made something up. And now we have a whole new genre and technique in jazz called sketching, and thank you to Mr. Louis Armstrong. Um, he became um, a little bit controversial in that as his popularity was gaining, he became uh, one of the first uh, what we call crossover musician. Someone who was equally as uh, popular on the black side as he was on the white side of uh, uh, America's racial divide. And that was quite unusual uh, for black musicians at any time. Uh, it was quite unusual when Michael Jackson did it. So imagine how unusual it was when Lewis was doing it in the 30s and 40s. And he always was able to come back, career in the 20s, career in the 30s and 40s. In the 60s, he's recording things like Hello, Dolly. And he participated in many, 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 many movies. So his face, his signature handkerchief, his signature smile, all of that endeared him to people. But it also divided him from his own people because many of them saw him as a sellout. He did not stand up for his people, stand up for his race, stand up for racial justice. And they thought he had a platform to do that since he was so powerful and he was so popular. Uh, there was one singular ex uh, exception to this, and that was uh, when uh, Little Rock, Arkansas was trying to integrate its schools and um, Abe Parvis was saying that he was doing black folks a favor by not integrating schools because he didn't want black folks to realize that they were simply inherently not as smart as whites. So he was keeping us separated so uh, we wouldn't have that uh, epiphany. Uh, that got to Lewis. And so he contacted the president at that time and said, hey, I'm not going to do any more goodwill tours for this country until little black kids can go to whatever school they want to go. And the next thing you know, the National Guard shows up in Little Rock and its schools are integrated. That was the first public racial protest that Lewis ever participated in. I got to know him. I met him personally. Uh, my father forced me to go backstage and meet him. And I'll never forget what he told me when I met him. He's in his dressing room. He's making his red beans and rice on his little hot plate in this little closet of a dressing room. And uh, I must have been in like seventh or eighth grade and I told him I was a trombone player. Do you have any advice for me? And I never forget what he said. He said, yeah, 
I got a lot of advice for you. Here it is. Go home and practice right now. <laughs> and you know what? That's what I did. And you know what? He was right. In order to become a competent musician, you absolutely must be dedicated to those basic fundamentals and practicing all the time. And that's what Lewis did. As well as change the world through the sound of his horn, the sound of his voice, his spirit, and the beauty of his music and a magical ability of music to touch us in the deepest recesses of our soul. No one could do it better than Louis Armstrong. Thank you.